We are a church, uh, if you're new with us, that believes in uh, the Word of God deeply. And we need to know the Word of God deeply. It is the foundation. But we also believe deeply in the Spirit of God. And it's not an either-or. It is a both-and. And that really is a simple way of explaining what I call the fullness the fullness of God. You know, back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, there used to be those churches called the full gospel churches. Anybody remember that? You know, maybe that full gospel free people, you know, like that's what I'm talking about. The fullness of God. That's what we want to experience. By the way, that's what's available to us. And that's what we want to experience. I believe when you read scripture, that is what the Lord calls us to and that's what I actually want to talk to you about today. Uh, I believe we're going to finish this, this series we've been in called The Spirit of Jesus um, today. And I know I didn't want to say that to make you sad. I just believe it's, this is the last day. It's time to move on. So uh, try to compose yourselves and show up next week. But um, I'm excited about this series. We've been, we've been focusing on the ministry and gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Lord gave me a prophetic word at the end of 2019. And he said, in the, in the coming season, the churches that focus on the ministry and gifts of the Holy Spirit will, will be the ones that thrive. Um, and the implication was the ones that do not will not, right? And I was so overjoyed by that word because we were already on that path, but I think that's becoming more and more true. And I believe as we get nearer to the end of all things and Jesus returning, that will become more and more true. I think churches that are not tuned into the discernment of the Holy Spirit and the discerning of Spirit's gift in particular, and not only knowing their Bibles really well, but having the Holy Spirit's gifts and discernment uh, will be deceived. I, I do believe that. A great deception is coming on the world. It may have already begun, right? Um, and there is a lot of deception going on out there. And with the power of media, the ability to deceive is greater than ever. And so our powers of discernment need to be extremely astute. Why do you think the Bible says so often, keep alert, keep watch, keep keep alert, keep watch, keep watch, keep watch, be alert, be sober-minded. Wow. Um, and then Scripture flat out tells us in the end, as we get to the very end, you know, the last days started uh, with with the times of the first Christians, right? The first century church. Those were the last days. The pouring out Pentecost started the last days. Well, we've been in the last days of this age. We're coming to the end times. The end of the end. You know, that was the beginning of the end. (laughs) We're coming to the end of the end. And it says at the end of the end, there will be a great deception. And we need to keep watch and we need to be discerning. And so we need to be praying more than ever. That's where the Lord gives us a lot of discernment into all things. And so that's a whole other sermon, but it is part of the the fullness of God that I want to talk to you uh, about today. Um, we want to be a church that operates in the fullness, as I've said. And there's there's when you study out Scripture, there's two main ways that we experience the fullness of God. And I'm gonna I'll just tell you up front, and then we'll look at it in Scripture. It is love. Being filled with love for God and for one another. And it is the full operation of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, as I said, and we're going to see this today in Scripture, I have, there's an onus of responsibility uh, on leadership to equip the saints for works of service and to train people, train the people of God. Another word for train is disciple, right? In the fullness of God. He said, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, right? There's a lot of churches that want to just focus on the love aspect. You know, well, it's just about love. Well, just love each other. If we can love God and love one another, that's just love, 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 love. You ever heard that creepy song, by the way? Love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. It's like in a minor key, and it's like actually a really, really, really true song, but why is it so creepy? Like, you ever thought that before when you sing that song? Like, can you put that in a major key? Because then it'll kind of match what the song's about. Like, like, I don't know. Anyways, the gospel in the word is love, right? Love your neighbor as your brother, right? That whole song. Sorry, I got us way off track. Got me off track. (laughs) Anyways, there's churches that just focus on the love, and they don't think about the gifts, and that's incomplete. Um, There's churches that focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, training one another up in that, and that's really all they focus on, and they lose the love, and that's incomplete as well, and so that's what the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 13 is about, can't do that either, 
And, and, then they, and then these churches, like, want to shoot arrows at each other. And like, oh, you don't do this. Well, you don't do this. No. And here, here's the problem with a lot of Christian thinking in our day and age. Everybody tends to think either or. Either or. It's either or. It's either or. It's not either or. It's both and. That's what you see in the life of Jesus. Okay? And so I want to lay a foundation before we dive into this. Jesus is the fullness of God. When he was in his humanity, in his flesh, he was the fullness of God in human form. Uh, Colossians 1.19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Colossians 2 verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Right? That word fullness there in the Greek is pleroma. Pleroma. It means fullness. It means abundance of. It means more than enough completely full it it really means in this context everything that god is all that god has all that god is able to do jesus is the fullness he was the fullness in the flesh and he is the fullness now think about that that's not just the fullness think about what the fullness of god in his character and his power and his gifts and everything he's available to do that's everything is possible too by the way right So that's his love, justice, mercy, grace, his wisdom, counsel, might, power, power for supernatural miracles, power for healing, deliverance, salvation, power to create things out of no things, right? Knowledge of all things, intimate knowledge of all things, eternal nature, and all these things in in eternity, right? That is who Jesus is. Jesus is the fullness. This is the fullness of God that Jesus walked in. What do I mean by that? Jesus not only knew the scriptures really well, which he did, right? He knew the scriptures inside and out. Matthew 4, Luke 4, when he was attacked by the enemy three times, what did he say? It is written, it is written, it is written, right? He knew the scriptures so well. He not only knew the scriptures, he not only preached the truth, he not only loved people and served them, he was a friend of sinners, He not only uh, did all these things, but he demonstrated the fullness of the power of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders, healing, deliverance, and so on. That's the fullness of who Jesus is. And now watch this with that in mind, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And God has placed all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Jesus is the head. He's the authority. He's the leader. As we like to say in our church, he's our lead pastor, right? I'm the lead servant. I'm, a, I'm an overseer. I manage this thing for him. So we tune into him. We pray every week, all week. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? We get direction and we say, this is what we're doing. Doesn't matter if we don't like it. Doesn't matter if you don't like it. If it's what he wants, that's what we're doing. Amen? Amen. All right. And so Jesus is the head, but watch this. He's the head of everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What does that mean? Who is the fullness now of God? We are. Jesus is the head in heaven. He's not in the flesh anymore. We are his body on earth. And so we represent the fullness of God to one another and to our community, to a lost and dying world. What fullness? The fullness I just told you he walked in. Knowing the scriptures inside and out. Preaching the truth. Absolutely. Loving people well. Serving people. Friend of sinners. Absolutely. But also walking in the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, healing, miracles, signs, and wonders. It's not one of those things. It's not either or. Well, just love. It's love. It's love. It is love. But it's also all the other things. It's all the other things, and if they're devoid of love, then we're just making noise, as Scripture says. It's all of it. We have to walk in the fullness. And here's the deal. If we are the fullness, and we represent the fullness of Jesus to our community, then if we're not walking in all of it, if we're not representing the fullness, then you and I in our church family, we don't experience the fullness of God. If our church family isn't experiencing the fullness of God, building one another up, right? 
then our body is lacking things, like not all the parts are working. We're, we're a handicapped body of Jesus. We're not a fullness body of Jesus. And now we're handicapped in our ability to do what he's called us to do and reach this community. And so if there's things we lack because we're not walking in the fullness, it's going to limit our capacity to do what he calls us to do, which means, I mean, when you translate all that out, work it all out, people go to hell. People we're called to reach. People we would have impact. People we would have seen saved. Will not be saved. I mean, that's, that is, that's where that ends up. We don't step into the fullness of our callings. And we can reason, well, I know, well, oh, I should have done this, but oh, well, and it's okay. And well, I'll still get to go to heaven. Even if the rest of my life is kind of a train wreck, it's all right. <laughs> or if the rest of my life is lacking or, wow. But it's not just about us. Because some of those good works would bear good fruit that would see other people be saved. And some of those people won't be saved if we don't obey and walk in the fullness. It's so important, guys. It's so, so important. Experiencing the fullness of God is a process, and I want to highlight that. It's not something you just flip a switch and it, you're experiencing the fullness, right? What do I mean by that? 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? When, the moment you got saved, you're going to heaven. That's awesome. But do you know everything there is to know? No. He says, I pray that you know, that you receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know him, what? Better. You may know him better. You may know him more. There's always more of God. There's always more of him to know. There's always more of him to receive, right? There's always more to discover. It's a process of spiritual growth in and of ourselves, experiencing more and more and more of God. Let me just give you a secret. The secret is surrender. Because you get the Holy Spirit in you. You got all of God. That's awesome. Why aren't you experiencing it a lot? Because you're not fully yielded to God. (laughs) Jesus was so fully yielded. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. This is Jesus who was God, and he didn't use that to be used of his own advantage, Philippians 2 says. Well, I'm God too. I'm just going to do whatever I want. No. It's all about the Father. I'm only going to do what he wants. I'm only going to say what he wants. And so so what did Jesus do? He withdrew and prayed often. Why? To make sure he was staying in tune. Because his humanity, right? The world pulls at us, right? Away from the heart of the Father. So if you want to experience more of God, yield more of yourself. That's one of the secrets. That's you loving God. We've talked about that in this series. But it's a process of growth, right? So we want to experience the fullness as a church family, which means in how we come together, how we do life together, how we live life together, how we do church together, right? What does that look like? As I said, there's two main things I want to show you in scripture. And there, this, the book of Ephesians talks about all this. So it says, we are the fullness in chapter one. The church is the fullness of God. Let's jump to chapter three. And I'm going to give you some context because this, the book of Ephesians is so amazing. Uh, if you want some homework, just read the book of Ephesians like several times this week. It's only like five chapters. You can read the whole thing real quick. But there's so much in this book. Listen to what he says, 10 through 19. His intent, Jesus' intent, was that now through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold means the variety. It's such a great variety, right? The manifold wisdom of God, the variety of wisdom of God, would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. For this reason, because you're saved, you have freedom and confidence to approach God. And because you believe in him. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of, the glorious riches, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the what? Of all the fullness of God. 
He's like, you want to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? You have to get love. You have to know love. You have to receive God's love. You have to understand his love. And I, says, he's, I love how he says, I pray that you may have power to be, even be able to grasp how wide and deep and long and high is love. Like we, God's love is so immense. We have to have power from God to be able to comprehend how immense his love is. Right? And of course, the cross is the greatest demonstration of that love. But man, that's, that's just, that, our minds can't fathom it. And he's saying, I pray that you could, your eyes are open, that you can grasp, that you can have power to grasp his love so that you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Why? Because God is love. And so we can do all the right things. We can pray, play all the right songs. I can preach all the right words. We can practice all the spiritual gifts and we can be powerful in them. But if it's not about love, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, it doesn't matter. It just flat out doesn't matter. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, meaning he's talking about the gift of speaking in tongues to a church that did it all the time. We talked about that last week, right? He's like, that's a cool gift. I, I do it too. It's great. But if you do that and don't have love, you're just, you're just making noise. Doesn't even matter. If I have all wisdom, fathom, fathom all mysteries and, and prophecy, like if you know everything in the universe, you could know everything in the universe. And if you don't have love, you're nothing. He even says, you can surrender, you can give all you have to the poor and surrender yourself to the flames. But if it's not love, you've accomplished nothing. Why would people do that? Pride. Look at me. I get, oh, I'll, oh, I'll help. I'll, I got this, guys. I'm going to give. Look at how much I'm giving to help. See? Yeah. I know I'm a good person. No, don't tell me, but I mean, yeah, really. But yeah, I want you to think that people do that. God judges the motives of the heart. So in everything, even in giving, even sacrifice, even in serving, that's Martha's problem. I'm serving, I'm serving. I'm, Jesus, don't you see me serving? I'm serving everyone. I'm the greatest servant. You said the greatest is a servant, and I'm the greatest servant, so I'm the greatest. Nobody's recognizing my great servantness. You could argue that Martha had the gift of helps, acts of service, and she was doing it all the time. But it wasn't necessarily from a place of love. It was from a place of worry, fear, and stress. And so Jesus is like, yeah, you're stressing me out. Just, just one thing's needed. Why don't you just sit down, all right? I'd rather not have the things if you're all stressed. Just sit down. One thing's needed. Start with love, all right? Let it flow from love. We got to have love. Love is essential, okay? I'm going to jump. We're going to cover the next part, and then we're going to weave this together. The second thing we need to experience the fullness of God. He talks about in the next, in the next chapter, chapter 4. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 7. But to each one, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. By the way, he's talking about spiritual gifts here. The word for spiritual gifts in the Greek is charismata. Charis is the word for grace. They're grace gifts. Okay, They're from the grace of God. And they're grace-empowered gifts. So... He's talking about spiritual gifts. Grace has been given as, each, as Christ apportioned. This is why it says, and he quotes the Psalms, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to people, right? He's talking about spiritual gifts. I'm going to jump over to verse 10. It says, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are leaders in the church, Right? And those are in order, by the way. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So kind of a, a twisted way of thinking, especially in uh, American culture, is that the pastor is the guy we hire to do the works of service. That's actually not true. Uh, the pastor is the guy or team of pastors, leaders, uh, who train the whole body to do all y'all's works of service, which are many and varied according to your talents, gifts, abilities, you know, resources, and spiritual gifts. It's all, it's all of the above, right? And to use those things to do what? To serve one another, to build up the body. 
And then as the body's built up, we reach out and pull more people into the kingdom of God. They become part of the body, and then we build them up, right? And then they help build us up, and then, and then the process continues, right? And so he's talking about the gifts of leadership. These are, there are spiritual gifts that go with these uh, leadership positions. He's listing these here. These are actually leader, leadership positions, but there are gifts. There's a gift of teaching. There's a gift of prophecy, right? You can't be a prophet unless you have the gift of prophecy, right? That wouldn't make any sense, right? And yet, just because you have a gift of prophecy doesn't mean you're a prophet, you know, called to the leadership position of a prophet in the church body or in the kingdom, right? Um, and so that's kind of what he's talking about. But what I just want to highlight is he's talking about spiritual gifts. And, and we as leaders are meant to equip all y'all uh, in your spiritual gifts, teaching you about spiritual gifts, uh, what they are, how to use them, and how to use them in a healthy way in love in the body so that we build up the body to serve one another. As Peter says, 1 Peter 4.10, each one of you should use whatever gift you've received, again, talking about spiritual gifts, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 1 Corinthians 14.26 well, I'll read that later. So that's what he's talking about. And then it says in verse 13, until that we're doing this, we're equipping the saints for works of service to use your spiritual gifts until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the what? Of the fullness of God. So we're, we need to keep doing this. We need to keep training the body in works of service, in spiritual gifts, until we all reach unity in the fullness of God. And as we've just shown from Scripture in the book of Ephesians, we need love, a whole lot of love, right? <sighs> Cleanse my memory from Led Zeppelin, Lord. Sorry. Woo! Don't sing it. Don't sing it. All right. <laughs> we, need, we need a whole lot of love, and we, need, and we need the fullness of the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right? Now we've got that soundtrack, so let's just roll with it. <sighs> I do anyway. All right. I grew up playing guitar. That's what I grew up on. All right. So we need both. We need both. And we need to keep doing both. We need to keep being in love, staying in love. And we need to keep training in gifts of the Spirit until what? Until we reach unity in all these things. And then we'll experience the fullness. So let's talk about unity for a second. One of the biggest fallacies in our culture right now is this half-truth of love is love. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to get into that topic today because that's not what this sermon is about. But with that line of thinking goes uh, moral relativism. You are your own God. You are your own truth. You are the determiner of truth. That, by the way, is idolatry of self. That's Satan's sin, the the sin of Babylon, which is Satan's sin. I am and there is none besides me, it says in Isaiah. That is America's idolatry right there, okay? And that's, we need, you all need to know that and be aware of that. That is our biggest temptation as American people in, in, when it comes to God is that we don't, we don't bow before him once we're saved and go, whatever you want, and yield ourselves to him. Loving God is the greatest commandment. What do you want? Become his servants, take up your cross, follow him. There's all these scriptures that tell us we're supposed to be doing that. Instead, ooh, mm, Lord help me say this briefly. Instead, what a lot of American Christians do, they read the Bible and go, eh, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Next. Oh, I like that. Comforting, encouraging. Okay, I like that. I'll take that. Oh, forgiveness of sin, I get to go to heaven. Oh, I'm definitely taking that. That's what it's all about, right? Oh, ooh, obedience, sacrifice. Ooh, giving up myself to serve others. Ooh, ooh, the church is really important. I should probably be a church every week. Ooh, I don't know about that. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, no, I'll take parts of it, and I'll make a God and a, a religion that I like that makes, makes me feel good and keeps me comfortable. That's how you end up with a golden calf, and you call it Yahweh. Or in our culture, you end up with a golden calf, you call it Jesus, and Jesus, the real Jesus, is going, that ain't me. You're not even bound down to me as Lord. You're doing whatever you, you're your own Lord. That's a burden on my heart. I, 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 it slips out in sermons all the time, and I'm trying not to spend a lot of time on it. But we need to be aware of that. So with that, in our culture, goes this lie that if you really love people, you just need to let them live how they want to live and bless them and affirm them and affirm their lifestyle. I think you know where I'm going, right? True love 
tells people the truth. Jesus was full of grace and what? Truth. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And he was completely full of both all the time. That's why he could say to the woman caught in adultery, I don't condemn you. That's grace. The law condemned her, right? He didn't condemn her. But go and leave your life of sin. I'm going to tell you the truth. You better stop sinning. Full of grace and full of truth. You know, he healed that one blind guy. It's like, woo, he's healed. Awesome. Grace. He didn't have to do that. Chose to do that. Grace healed him. He finds him later. It was the blind guy or the guy lame from birth. I can't remember which one. Finds him later in the crowd. And he says to him, and we don't know the context of this. But he says to him, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Can you imagine? Does anybody remember if it was the blind guy or the, the, the lame guy? Lame? It's lame. I don't remember that. Mmm. Didn't. Right? <laughs> so it was the lame guy. So the cripple guy, he's healed. Can you imagine someone in a wheelchair? You know, we pray over them, they get healed. And then later that week, I'm like, you know how you were crippled before? Which is what Jesus was referencing? You better stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. <gasps> I, you. Everybody would leave this church if I ever did something like that. And you found out about it. But Jesus did it. See, our American sanitized version of Jesus is not the real Jesus. He's full of grace. He's so loving. He's so kind. And the same Jesus that said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest for your souls. Yet those are, the same Jesus said, you better stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The same Jesus that said, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. He said, you shouldn't fear the people that could kill you. You should fear the one who could kill you and after that, throw your body into hell. You know who he was talking about? Himself. He was talking about himself. You should fear me. You should fear God. That's who you should fear more than anything else. That's the real Jesus. Now, why would he say that? Because he's love. That truth is an extension of his love. We need to hear this in our world today. Christians, we need to speak the truth in love to people we love, to the world. So to look at a world and go, oh, I'm so, so sorry you're struggling with confusion about your gender or sexuality or, or thinking it's okay to sleep with someone you're not married to, even though they're this you know, opposite sex. Oh, I'm sorry you're struggling with that, but that's wrong. And if you persist in that, my Bible says judgment, we get judged for persisting in sin. Or at the very least, severely disciplined in this life by God so that our souls will be saved. That's what the Bible says. Whew, goodness gracious. So with that in mind, <laughs> let's talk about Unity. That mindset of moral relativism and just, oh, keep everyone happy has crept into the church and into the pastorate, into leadership. And so a lot of leaders, they think their job is to serve people. I'm, I'm just the Lord's servant. I, I changed my job, my title to lead servant, right? But I got news for you. I'm not your servant. That's so why some of you go, can you do this? And I go, I'm sorry, I don't have time for that this week. I can't do that. I'm not your servant. I'm his servant, the Lord's servant. And when you get that out of order in, in church leadership, if I start becoming your servant over what God wants, you're serving the fear of man. So how's that play out in a church context? In the context of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit, what we've been talking about, of course, every, every pastor knows, hey, love, love. We all preach love, right? Love, 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 love. And everybody likes that. Love feels good, right? We all get that. Our culture is atrophied in gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is ignored, tragically neglected, as Francis Chan says. So when a pastor realizes, uh, we're doing okay and actually really good on the love part, uh, this part over here, we're never going to experience the fullness unless we get into this. So then we start teaching on it. So then we're like, let's pray and actually believe we're going to receive the fullness and get baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and, and experience all these gifts. And you know what happens when some past, I've talked to pastor friends of mine who go, literally have conversations, go, I, I believe that stuff too. I just, I just couldn't really ever do that in my church because it would cause division. 
I know, like, I see tongues in the Bible, and I, I know that it's a thing, and I don't think it's, I would never say it's not of God, but, man, it just causes division. You know, that prophecy stuff, I get your explanation. It doesn't add to Scripture. I understand that. It's a gift, but, you know, it causes division. Hmm. That's bowing to the fear of man. And my conviction is there's an onus of responsibility on leadership to go, oh, hold up a second. That's, that's not causing division. That's creating unity through compromise. That's what that is. And you dumb your church down to the lowest common denominator of faith. So go read Romans 14. And Paul says in Romans 14, right? Hey, if you're doing something, and he says, people of weaker faith. And he gives examples of like what you eat. And some people think you can only eat vegetables because they're so worried about eating food sacrificed to idols. Now, Paul clearly says, you can eat whatever you want. He does make that statement. But if you're with a brother or sister who's like, that was sacrificed to an idol, don't eat it. Just don't eat it while you're around them. <laughs> because for love and unity. And so a lot of leaders go, oh, see, for love and unity, we're supposed to not make a big deal about things. Hold up. He's talking to the body. When you're with one another, don't make a big deal about debatable issues. I don't think the presence and power and gifts of the Holy Spirit is a debatable issue. I think the church is dying for a lack of it, number one. Number two, as a leader creating the culture of the whole church, Paul clarifies what is permissible, what we have freedom for. So he says in there, actually, you can eat whatever you want. And if you think you can't eat whatever you want, you actually have weaker faith. He clarifies that. Why? To create the culture. He says, some people think you can only meet on one, a certain day a week, the Sabbath day. It's God's rule. If we don't meet on Saturdays, we're sinning. And it's not going to be valid worship. And Paul goes, hey, listen, just don't make a big deal about it, all right? But listen, he says, every day is the same. He says that in there. That all, don't let anyone judge you because of a Sabbath or a festival. What's he saying? Uh, under Jesus, every day is holy. Every day is Sabbath. Every day is all unto him. That's Paul's. So as a leader, he's, create, he's telling the framework, this is how it works to create the culture, right? So as a leader, when it comes to spiritual gifts, I have an onus of responsibility to say, hey, no, we are going to operate in these. And hey, these are the gifts, you know? And you might be wondering, we've talked about the spirit of Jesus. Well, there's a lot of gifts. Why in this particular series did we only highlight prophecy, healing, and tongues? You know why? Because those are the controversial ones that atheistic American Christians have problems with. In our atheistic, naturalistic mindsets, the lens through which we see scripture and experiences. Let me say it this way. I've, I've literally been around or in cessationist churches who don't believe the Holy Spirit gives gifts and does all that in our day and age. And somebody will be like, I just really think I have the gift of acts of service. Or I really love our pastor's teaching gift. And I look at the pastor like, oh, y'all don't believe in the gifts. What are you going to say to this? And they don't say anything. They go, oh, really? Can I sign you? You have the gifts of helps? Can I sign you for kids ministry? We need all the help we can get. Why don't you serve back there? Oh, they bless that gift. Oh, pastor, I really love your teaching gift. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. They just receive that encouragement, you know? They don't, they don't say anything about it. And I'm like, wait a second. I thought you didn't believe in the gifts. <laughs> well, you start talking about prophecy. Ooh, you start talking about tongues. Ooh, we don't do that. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. Paul wrote a whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, about this. You're a body. Each one of you is a part of it. And each one of you is giving, given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, a gift. And he compares it to parts of the body. And he says, the foot shouldn't say to the hand or the eye, like, I don't need you, and vice versa. And he says, there's parts of our bodies that, that have less honor. And yet God has honored those parts. We tre treat them with special modesty and our presentable parts don't need any special honor. God does that with parts of the body. The context is the body of Christ and spiritual gifts. So I have a responsibility as a leader. If we want to operate in the fullness of the gifts, to look at the ones that are being dishonored and to highlight them and to emphasize them. 
hopefully for a season until we get it and then we can move on. And to go, hey, uh, these aren't being honored. Because here's what happens. Certain people have certain gifts. Not everybody has every gift. So if you have the gift of prophecy or tongues and we dishonor those gifts or healing, we're like, oh, we don't do that today. Oh, we don't want that. Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Guess what? You're not just dishonoring that gift. You're not just dishonoring the Holy Spirit. You're dishonoring that person that carries that gift. And there's not unity in the body. And too much of the American church wants unity through compromise instead of true biblical unity in the fullness of God. And leaders are called to create unity around the fullness. Preaching and teaching and emphasizing the gifts as a leader is not divisive. That is not what creates division. Idolaters create division. People who want to pick from Scripture and say, I want this, I want this, but I don't want that. So now I've created a golden calf, and what you're saying offends my golden calf, and I don't like it. So now I'm going to get upset. And they, they either, I'm going to stay, and I'm going to just create problems for you. Or I'm going to leave, and I'm going to create problems for you. That's what causes division. But leaders who go, um, this is what we should be doing. And you're not equipped if I don't equip you in these things. And so we're going to step into it, even when I know that a lot of y'all ain't going to like it. Well, then you're not aligned with Scripture, and I have a responsibility to help you be aligned with Scripture. And so we're, how much more do we need to do it, right? And so we got to operate in the fullness of the gifts. And there's actually a verse that sums this up. And I want to read this, and then I want to bring my better half up well, I'll say a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What shall we say, brothers and sisters, in response to all this, right? When you come together, each one of you has a hymn. We're okay with that, right, in America? Word of instruction? Yep, okay with that. Revelation? Ooh, you mean the book of Revelation, right? Okay, just moving on. A tongue? Ugh, I don't know about this. Or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Did you catch Everything. Everything. Everything must be done. Use all the gifts so the church gets built up. And so that's my heart as a pastor in training us in the gifts. The verse that sums both of these up, 1 Corinthians 14.1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. You know, 1 Corinthians, love, the, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it's actually about how to use spiritual gifts. Don't make it all about yourself and showing off and one-upping. Have you ever been in a competitive environment like that? And you're like sitting around praying and somebody's praying in tongues and they're like, and then, and then the next person's like, it's like, I can speak in tongues too. I can do it louder and better. My tongue's language sounds more like a language. I think yours is just gibberish. And they're one-upping. Or it's like, hey, the Lord gave me a prophetic word and here's what it is. And the next person's like, I remember the time I had a prophetic word and it was way better than yours, you know? That happens. That happens. That's not love. That means you're insecure and you're not depending on the love of the Father. Insecure, charismatic people do that. Who don't know the true love of the Father that has filled them up, so they don't even need to use their gifts. They just do it as he leads. If you lead me to do that today, I'll do it. But I don't need to. You want me to share that knowledge you gave me? I'll share it. But I don't need to. You know, I, some people are surprised how quiet I am about the Bible and scripture outside of church. Yes, I don't need to go around spouting off everything I know. Why would I? It would be exhausting. I, sharing knowledge is not to prove how much knowledge I have. It's to help people. And so if I'm in a context where they're not going to receive it or like it, you know, outside of church, I'm just not going to cast pearls to swine, you know, if they're not going to like it, right? Get trampled, man. I'll wait until someone's ready to see, until they ask. Like, I don't, it's about love. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, right? And so following, I want to bring up my wife to just share her heart on these issues. And that's just something I felt led to do and, and asked her to do this week. So if you would welcome my, my better half.
Well, not knowing what Aaron's sermon was, the only thing the Lord gave me for this morning was this. <laughs> Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And that has been our heart the last, I don't know, eight years. Um, this is a culmination of, of that journey. Um, we love you so much. We love you so much that um, we're, <laughs> we're willing to risk offending you um, to bring you the fullness because we know the fullness is what you need. And um, we know that we've pushed you because Jesus has pushed us. <laughs> um, he's pushed us out of our comfort zone and into a place of fully depending on him. And walking with him in surrender and in abandoned abandonment to the world. And um, we wouldn't be loving you if we didn't ask you to do that with us. Because Jesus said that if we want to find our lives, then we got to lay them down. And we got to lay down what we think we know of him to actually experience who he really is. And so... Um, that is our hearts for you. What All of this has been love for you. And I just felt earlier in this week, I didn't know Aaron was going to ask me to share, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to honor um, our leaders, our pastors. And I didn't know how I was going to do that, um, like how I was going to get the mic from him to do that. And then he asked me to come up here, and I'm like, oh, the Lord already told me what I'm supposed to do. So... I want to bring up um, our pastors and our leaders, lead, lead team and pastors, just to the front. Um, I just feel like the Lord is wanting us as a body to honor them because um, you all don't see the behind the scenes, as, but I do, and I know what the cost has been. I see the cost. Um, just come on up. Our leaders, come on up. Just lead team and staff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, like, I don't know. I just want to give you a picture of these people love you so much. Like, um, they're up in the middle of the night interceding for you. They're up at 3.45 a.m. to get here on a Wednesday and pray eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours for you. Um, they're fighting battles <laughs> for this church. They're shedding tears. Like, you just, oh, it's, it's a tremendous load that they carry. Um, the warfare on them is tremendous. Like, all of hell wants to take them out. And um, the, tr the warfare against their families is tremendous. And it is like, uh, leadership is not... Uh, something that is e easy or glamorous. It is um, literally the front line of the battlefield every single day. <laughs> it is bloody. It is violent um, in the in the spirit. It's violent in the spirit. <laughs> we don't hurt anybody, but <laughs> there's a lot of like uh, just warfare that comes against them. And anyway, they just. I wish I could go through each person and tell you the sacrifices that they make, but I want you to know it's tremendous. And so I want to honor them for loving us enough to tell us the, tell us the truth. Honor, like, honor them for loving us enough to risk their reputations, um, to risk um, being misunderstood for us, um, to stand and to be faithful on your behalf and on our behalf, like it is just a gift. And so if we could, um, if you could just stretch out a hand, I want to, and we're going to pray. We're going to bless our leaders. Um, they pour so much out. And so if you could just, as I'm praying, if you could just, whatever the Lord is stirring up in your heart, just lift it up to him because your prayers aren't doing nothing, like he's actually, you're opening up things in the heavenly 
realm's gifts and um, spiritual blessings that you're going to give to them through these prayers right now. So I just want to fill our leaders up for everything that they've poured out to us. So, Father, I thank you for these leaders that you've gifted to your church. I thank you for their courage. I thank you for their sacrifice. And I thank you for their commitment to you above all else. I thank you, God, for their hunger. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I just want to bless them. God, I ask you that you would pour back on them 30, 60, 100 times what they have poured out to us. God, what they have sown in tears, I pray that they would carry back in sheaths of joy, songs of joy. God, I pray that you would increase their anointing, increase their discernment, increase um, their power, increase their effectiveness. I silence the voice of the enemy over them. I silence the voice of the deceiver over them. I silence every arrow of accusation over their heart, minds, bodies. I silence every curse that has been spoken against them. And I pray the blood of Jesus over them. I pray the cross of Christ between them and every enemy. And God, I pray that you would just fill them up right now. Fill them up. God, I pray that you would honor, honor them, God. We honor them today. We thank you for them. We know that we are better, stronger, um, more (laughs) intimately connected to you because of them. And they are a gift to us. And God, help us to steward them well. Give us the heart to steward them well each and every one of us, and to steward one another well as we build one another up in love. God, may we be a gift to them so that their work is not burdensome but a joy. And may we be able to um, just fully grow in what they are teaching us and doing and planting in us so that they can look at us just like Paul did. Um, and say, indeed, you are my glory and my joy. Let us be a glory and a joy to lead. And let us be a glory and a joy to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I just want to honor her, too. She is one of those as well. And... Um, you know, I told our worship team the other day that when people say my better half, you know, we say that a lot in a joking way in our culture, but in, in our case, it's really true. <laughs> so she is my better half for sure. Um, yeah, we want the fullness here and uh, we love you. And I, I just want to let you know from a leadership perspective in how we pursue the gifts We're going to follow the way of love. We're going to follow the way of love with God. We're going to follow the way of love uh, with one another. And so part of what that means for how we practice gifts and how we experience the Holy Spirit, man, we never want to force anyone to experience something they don't want to experience. That's why if you've ever noticed when I say, hey, let's pray at the end, and I'll say, if you want to participate in this, put your hands out and repeat after me, right, when we do those types of things. Because we never want to force someone. You know, when we pray over impartation, it's always an invitation. It's not a, I'm going to get you, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so, again, uh, we have, we have, that's just the culture that we want to, we want to build. And I want to say this too. Uh, we also do not shame people if they haven't had a certain experience yet. You know, we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of times there's outward manifestations and, and there's an experience there. So we do it and we pray and you're sitting there going, I didn't experience anything. We don't, God chooses who gets what when, not us. Our job is to be obedient and pray. Our job is to be obedient, teach, do the things. God's job is to do the gifting and the pouring out and the healing and all the other things, all right? And so um, we never, we, we never want to shame people for not having had a certain experience, but that doesn't mean I don't. Uh, push you like a, a loving father, like we should be experiencing these things when it comes to teaching. Does that make sense? So I want to coach, I want to encourage, I want to be like, hey, we should be pressing in, 
But if you haven't had, the, if you have pressed in and haven't had that experience, there's no shame in that. All right, God chooses who gets what when. Does that make sense? I just I say all that to say because uh, there's a lot of people recently who I think have had fear about how our church is changing. And I just want to say this. Our church is changing. That's a profoundly good thing. Did you hear me say the fullness is something you grow in? And so we started at one spot as a church, and we've been growing in God's grace and in the word together and in the gifts and power and presence of the Holy Spirit and in deliverance ministry. And when you read the scriptures, the disciples had to grow in all those things. And so our church, you know, some people have, you know, had a, this kind of view. This church has changed, you know. Whatever you mean by that, no, we haven't. And what I mean by that is we ha- we've had the same heart all along. Our heart has never changed. And I've said before, our theology hasn't changed how we've been practicing and living that out, or the experiences we've had, oh, that's been changing as we've had more understanding and more experience. Absolutely. And so this church has changed, and it is changing, and I pray that takes place till the day Jesus comes because we're like a fruitful vine. It grows, buds, flourishes, bears fruit. Then that fruit spreads on the wind, gets planted elsewhere, and we're just growing and bearing fruit till Jesus comes back. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your presence here today. And I bless these people, and I thank you for our time together. And I just pray that your word would always be honored here. Your spirit, every dimension of your spirit, every gift of your spirit, every expression, manifestation of your spirit would be honored in this place. And I pray that we could do all these things in love, that love would be our primary motivation. And so I pray for greater revelations of love. That we, I pray you would open our eyes and hearts to know your love and how wide and deep and long and high it is, God. And I know we can't grasp it, so Jesus, give us power to grasp your love and let us get really good at showing you love back and showing one another love and showing this world we live in love because that's what you call us to, God, and that's what it's all about. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray all these things. Amen.